This is Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. I'm your host, Amanda Baki. Appalachian Vibes is a show dedicated to challenging the expectations and celebrating the diversity of music created in and around Appalachia. This week, my guest is lead guitarist Ethan Heller from the Psychedelic Circus, heavy jam band laced with wicked jazz lounge vibes from Asheville, North Carolina, the Snozberries. We discuss the trials and tribulations that brought this band from the innocent carefree four-piece in 2017 to a heavier, darker version of the band. That's the next hour on Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. You're listening to Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. I'm your host, Amanda Baki. My guest this week is Ethan Heller, lead guitarist for the electric, psychedelic circus, heavy jam band from Asheville, North Carolina, The Snozberries. I'm Ethan Heller from The Snozberries, and I play the guitar. Uh, we've got Ian Taylor on the keys, Asher Hill on the bass, and Paul Gladstone on the drums. When does your album come out and what's it called? Uh, it's going to be called Return. Um, it's not going to come out until next year, uh, but we're going to release the first two singles this fall uh, with a music video. Sweet. What's the uh, concept? Um, well, it's called Return. So uh, it's all about return and rebirth and, um, you know, going from... Uh, coming from a dark place and returning to a nice light place. (laughs) Yeah. You guys have kind of had your, your series of struggles as to get to where you are. Um, Tell us about how your band formed and, and how you got to where you are now. Sure. So um, we started here in town. Um, Basically we all met at, uh, the Tresses Funk Jam when it was still the Tresses Funk Jam. Um, so everybody who's ever been in the band uh, met at that Funk Jam, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, it's kind of a fun part of our history. And yeah, before the pandemic, we were playing a lot, uh, started out as a bar band, and then people really liked what we were doing. So we ended up... Um, you know, writing a lot of original music and playing bigger shows um, and starting to do a lot of festivals. And then obviously the pandemic hit. And so uh, that was a big setback. But for us, the bigger setback was um, that we tragically lost our drummer, uh, Sean Mason, which we talked about on our last interview. And uh, that was really been really tough for the band so we took a lot of time off and um and yeah after a lot of time and lineup changes and figuring out what we wanted to do we're finally back and kind of in full force now so it's feeling really good to write new music and put new music out there and um and get back on the road and get back in the festival scene so uh that's kind of when we're, when we're putting out return, that's kind of what we're, what we're referring to, uh, for the return. What do you feel like is the difference in the sound that you have now versus when you first recorded uh, a couple years ago? 
Um, yeah, that's actually a really good question because back then we were certainly a lot more lighthearted and silly and, um, and we still are all those things, but, uh, the sound now is definitely a lot darker and spookier and, um, and just more mature. You know, you could say that the band as a whole kind of lost our innocence in a way. So, um, so yeah, the lyrics are a lot more, uh, mature and, um, and just the content and the overall energy is, um, is a little bit darker and more, you know, just heavier in general. Oh, so tell me your favorite lyrics from return. Um, yeah, so return, that's going to be the, uh, the first single we put out. Um, and, uh, we have a music video coming out. That's going to be really cool. It's got a lot of elements of like tarot and, uh, it's, it's going to be really cool. So I'm super excited for that. Um, the song itself. Uh, yeah. A lot of the lyrics are, um, are really just about like, you know, coming from this like super dark place that we were all in and returning to light. So there's a lot of like kind of more esoteric ideas going on just throughout all, all the songs we've been writing. Um, so, you know, some of it's a little more shrouded in mystery and mysticism, uh, but there's a lot of imagery of like fire and, um, you know, uh, a lot of like rising from the ashes kind of thing going on in that, in that tune. Can you remember any of the lyrics from? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like uh, how I asked that though? <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. Can I? <laughs> um, when the light's low and the night's young, the shadows drift and I drift along the fire burns to light. I return. It's like, you know, uh, out of fire, uh, like this destructive force, um, you, which is obviously very dark and destructive, something really beautiful and light can come out of that. So that's kind of, uh, that's kind of what we're going for in that, in that track. I used to be a choir director and there's this old hymn called he will set your fields on fire. And, uh, it's basically like, if you sin, then he'll set your fields on fire. But really, if you look back at it, um, fire was was an illusion for rebirth because they would set their fields on fire to make it more nutrient and rich. And then the next crop that would come in would be much stronger, mm, mm-hmm. you know, so there's, that's, that's cool. The Phoenix rising from the ashes type imagery. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's definitely very relatable for, um, for kind of the thought process behind those lyrics. Um, sometimes you got to burn it all down or maybe you're not burning it down, but things will burn down before you can have any sort of rebirth. That's beautiful. Is that kind of a, um, a tribute at all to your past drummer? Yeah. Uh, it's actually funny. Cause we wrote, um, we wrote a lot of that song with him. That was the last one that he really contributed to musically. Um, and the lyrics were like, I had a lot of them written already, but when he passed and we revisited the song, um, it's, they just all kind of 
applied to that more like they were kind of prophetic for what we ended up going through. So that was kind of like a weird spooky thing that happened with that, with that track. Um, Cause now that's the only thing that I think of when we play it. Um, so, so yeah, it kind of did end up being about him. Do, do you ever get chills when you guys are performing it? Um, yeah, just in general. I mean, we'll uh, when we're playing um, there's all the time when we're, you know, thinking about him, like there's some shows when we're like, oh, he was in the room for that show or some, sometimes something weird will happen. Like our strings will break or like the, all, everything will just get messed up and we'll be like, we know that was you, Sean. Thanks, bud. Like every single time, like we just know he's messing with us for fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, at least if he breaks it, he needs to be like, and here's a new one. And I've, and I fixed it up for you while you were turned around. <laughs> yeah. During his, uh, one of his memorial shows that we all played. Um, I don't know if I told this story last time, but it was on stage with Kyle Travers from Travers Brothership uh, playing a tribute to him. And I broke a string and then um, I went to go change my string. And immediately after I changed my string, he broke his string. So we each broke a string like within a minute of each other, which is just weird. So we're like, Sean's a poltergeist and he's messing with us, basically. Uh, so that was kind of fun.
Yeah, that was um that was off our first our first record um which you know that's uh that's a great song we really enjoy playing that one live um it's a really good segue between our earlier kind of funky fun material and our like later heavier material like that's kind of the song that we use to bridge the gap a lot of the time because it starts out really funky and fun and then by the end of it it's very heavy metal um so uh that's a good one too there's one um that y'all don't have right now uh one of our other new ones uh is called biting through that one's going to be coming out this fall too um and that's it's an instrumental track but it's um we titled it biting through uh it's named after the um eching uh hexagram for biting through which is basically just like the image is like you know an animal like gnawing through like meat to escape from some sort of bad situation so it's kind of like you're facing an obstacle and you just have to like tear into it and and get through it that way you know Thank you. 
Slamajama. Oh, that one. Uh, Sean wrote those lyrics. They don't make any sense. It's just a classic. Sh- Sean wrote that. That was his song uh, that we re we rewrote it. Um, I think it was originally called Disc Golf, um, and then we rewrote it to be. It's basically just a jam vehicle. Like we'll never put that one on an album. It's just fun for us to play. Um, but yeah, he wrote those lyrics. They're super silly, and. Um, there's also a Three Blind Mice tease in that song that he wrote, uh, which is also very silly. He was just kind of a whimsical guy. So um, that one definitely has his kind of, you know, goofy energy in it.
you know, we were all super close with Sean, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we've been just working really hard. Uh, and, um, you know, he's always obviously in our thoughts and, and in our motivations behind what we do. Um, but, you know, we're also just trying to, um, just work as hard as we can. And, uh, you know, the harder we work, we know that we're on the right path to the things that we're trying to do right now. What's it, what's it like going through a grieving process like that with, with, um, the other people that you're close with in this, in this type of situation? Um, you know, at first it was really hard and, um, you know, at first, like, uh, I know at least a couple of us, like we kind of spiraled into some dark places. Like, uh, it, it was tough for a while. Um, you know, there was like, for me personally, like there was some substance abuse, uh, that I've luckily kind of overcome since then, but definitely descended into some dark places. Um, but you know, like we've kind of all come out of it in various ways, shape and form. And, um, you know, we've gone kind of through all the, all the steps of, of grief. And so now it's like, when we get together and we talk about Sean, it's like, usually we're just laughing and, you know, remembering all the goofy, weird stuff that we all did together and, uh, and all the fun and not so fun memories, but it's all, you know, it's definitely, we're at a point of catharsis now versus like, you know, the last time we talked, it was much more fresh and it was, uh, yeah, it was, we were in a very different, different and difficult place. Um, so it's, yeah, it's kind of come full circle since then. I definitely noticed a difference. Um, I wonder if now, like you found a way to express it, you know? Yeah. I think, I think, you know, it's, um, back then it was, you know, I feel like it was about a year ago the last yeah. time we, we talked and, uh, maybe a little more than that actually. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, um, you know, I definitely had started to work through the process, but I was also like pretty deep in a, in a, um, you know, in a spiral. Um, so I was masking a lot of the, um, emotions I didn't want to deal with, with, um, you know, with alcohol and, and other things that just made it easy to cope and not think about it. Uh, where now it's like definitely have faced a lot of that head on and, um, just able to like process things and deal with it more like on a actual human level and not just run away from all of the, uh, the difficult emotions that come along with that.
I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and, uh, you know, I was raised in a relatively normal middle-class Jewish family. They're relatively religious. Um, and, uh, my dad played piano and my grandpa played piano. Um, and so they wanted me to play piano when I was a kid. So I took lessons super young. Um, and I, I was always the kind of person who I, I guess I'm the kind of person who likes to take shortcuts. Like I didn't want to read the music. I just wanted to hear it and then play it back. Cause I'm much more of an auditory learner. So I just remember my, um, my piano instructor back then would get so upset with me. He'd be like, you're not looking at the, at the notes. And I'm like, no, I know. Can you just play it for me? <laughs> and I'll play it back for you. Um, you're one so of the like, really smart kids. Those are the, <laughs> it, it's the kid. See, they think sometimes people think, oh, I wasn't smart enough. I wouldn't read the music. And it's like, no, you were so smart. You were, you were just memorizing it one time or a couple of times and then playing it back. Whereas like I had to, I had to take like oral skill. Like I had to take a class, like a mm. lot of classes to be able to learn how to do that. And then, it, and it's still slow. Uh, and I'm a much better notation reader than I am an improviser or something. I think it's just like, mm -hmm. I would much rather have learned it that way and be able to feel freedom on an instrument than feel constrained by the notation in ways, but then I needed it to be able to like play music, you know? Oh, absolutely. That sucks. So anyway, uh, I ended up not really liking the piano, uh, for me personally. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of that was just like, my dad plays piano, so I don't want to play piano, you know, like when you're growing up, um, and you're trying to be rebellious. So uh, I ended up not playing for a couple of years. Um, uh, when I was maybe like 13 or 14, um, I picked up the guitar and took a couple lessons, like, but really not that many. Um, the guy that I took lessons from ended up stopping teaching very shortly after I started taking lessons from him. So that was kind of the end of my lessons was after maybe three to six months of him just showing me how to play simple, uh, simple chords and stuff like that. Uh, but at that point I was like, cool, I'm going to go play punk rock. So that's what I did all throughout high school was just you know, didn't have very much of a skill set, but I was like, cool, we're going to play punk and we're going to, you know, rage on the stage and, you know, have weird uh, Elmer's glue mohawks and, <laughs> you know, like just have fun with it. Um, so that was kind of what I did really uh, up until up until I was an adult was just kind of having a lot of fun. We took it seriously enough, but, um, you know, it's always been more about like, having fun and putting a lot of positive energy into it rather than like, you know, looking at it like it's work. Um, where, and that's you know, what I'm punk sure. is. Yeah. Punk is like <laughs> lots of positive energy disguised like to people on the outside of something else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love punk because it's, um, you can express all of the angry stuff you feel as an adolescent or just, and you can express anything that you're feeling and, but you're doing it in like a fun, lighthearted way. Like that's why you see the kids in there, you know, I can't get in the mosh pit anymore, but these kids get in the mosh pit and they're not like trying to 
murder each other. They're like having a great time. They're smiling and, you know, it's like jovial. Um, So yeah, I always, always identified with that and, uh, and still do in many ways. So you were into punk and then something happened because (laughs) now you are an incredible guitar. Not that you can't be. No, I was really bad. (laughs) It's kind of like one chord that you need for punk for those that are listening. Or maybe just even one finger sometimes. You don't even need the other two. So <clears throat> at some yeah. point, you learned uh, a lot. Who were who your influences? What what changed after punk? Um, yeah, it's kind of funny because, like, then I actually took another break from playing for, you know, for a year or two, maybe even three. I took, um, which I wish I didn't. I wish I had gone and actually learned something. But uh, I didn't. And I, you know, was 18 and 19 and drinking a lot and partying and just wasn't, I wasn't really being a musician at the time. Unfortunately, something happened. Um, you know, I think some sort of electric current turned me on to playing again. And, um, and, uh, and then, yeah, I just, I got really into like, the Grateful Dead and Fish and Jazz Fusion and you know Jeff Beck and um and then just wanted to play all those things and couldn't and so then I decided to try <laughs> which took a really long time <laughs>
I never really had lessons. Like I just wanted to do all those things. And so I just, you know, sat down one day and I was like, I'm going to do this. And, um, and that's kind of how it's always been for really anything that I ever do. Um, you know, I like, you know, the jazzers will be like, fake it till you make it. Um, which I don't necessarily agree with that, but I also kind of live that mantra in a lot of different ways. But instead of faking it till you make it, I'm like, well, just try like really hard and like, don't get discouraged when you suck at something. And then eventually maybe you'll be okay at it. (laughs) What jazzers tell you to fake it till you make it? I've never, like, I'm just going to say, I've never heard I've never heard him say that. They're like, don't bend the string. <laughs> <laughs> don't bend the string. Don't I know. That's why, that's why I don't play jazz. I can't, but I always bend the strings. <laughs> is that, that's not your experience? <laughs> no, no, that's definitely my experience. Okay. That's why, that's why people are like, oh, you play jazz, you know, cause we do a lot of improv and, and the guys that I play with are all huge into jazz and I like jazz too, but um but, you know, I'm like, no, 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 I am not a jazz guitar player. Please don't call me that. I, I do not play jazz like it like don't because then some guy who really plays jazz is going to be like, man, you suck at jazz. <laughs> like, I know I'm not a jazz guitar player. I, I studied jazz guitar at Kennesaw State University. I majored in it and I wasn't I, I absolutely was not qualified to even major in it. It's just that I didn't want to do classical guitar and they let me in with like zero experience. And my teacher, like by the end was like, you know, like realistically you can't get a performance degree because you're going to be expected to go out and like perform jazz. And I ended up transferring to classical as it was, but yeah, that's a, that's a high flute and uh, ability I I don't have. So cool. So jazz players were like, fake it till you make it. Maybe not all of them say that. (laughs) I want to meet these jazz players. They sound like my kind of people. (laughs) I didn't meet these. (laughs) So then you just locked yourself in your bedroom for a couple of years and, and played guitar. Yeah, basically like I moved here um, to Asheville and uh, you know, I, uh, I thought I was kind of hot to trot moving from, oops, sorry about that. Kind of thought I was hot to trot moving from St. Louis, uh, which is a very small um music scene where there's just not like a whole lot of like the the talent pool there there's don't get me wrong there's absolutely some great players who live there but just the overall like you know the the average musician there versus here like the musicians here are insane like the the guys here it's like you know um it's just one of the one of the best music scenes that i've personally seen outside of like new york or la or something like that. It's the scene here is really, really amazing. So um, I definitely uh, um, realized pretty quick that I was not very good. (laughs) And so I did have to lock myself in my bedroom. I had a moment where I was like, okay, uh, like this, I was living on a hippie farm and which I would never do again. And these guys came out to the jam from the farm and I went to the jam and I didn't feel that great about it. And they recorded it. They showed me the video and I was like just mortified watching this video of me just bombing on stage, just doing so bad. Um, and so after that happened, I 
uh, I had this moment where I was like, okay, I can either stop playing music and do something else, or I can sit in my room and grind forever until I can play with these guys, which of course, one of those guys was Sean Mason, our old drummer. Um, so it was, it's like the stories uh, of, of all of that coming together is, um, is kind of crazy and, and wild, like, but yeah, definitely had to lock myself in my room for a really long time. (laughs) How long did it take? Um, I would say it took about, uh, it probably took about a full, a full year, maybe like nine months to a year before, um, Sean was actually the first person to give me some encouragement, you know, cause I would go to this jam every week. And, um, once I realized I sucked, I would still go and, uh, try and learn something. And, uh, and one day he was just like, Hey man, you sounded pretty good today. <laughs> <laughs> you should keep keep it up and uh, that was really cool um and he's not he did that to so many people it wasn't just me like he was really good at building people up um and so when he did that it meant so much um so i was like cool i'm on the right path um but yeah it took uh, it took maybe nine months or a year and then those guys were like uh really because of sean encouraging them they were like hey why don't you be in the house band this week you know and then i'd get to play for a full hour with these guys who I thought were just so good. Um, and, uh, you know, I get to play a whole hour set with them and then, you know, they'd have me do that once or twice a month. And then through practicing and through playing with them every week, uh, you know, after a couple of years of doing that, it was like, I just learned so much about playing. And, um, a lot of it for me is trial and error. Um, but, but yeah, that was, kind of my experience of, of uh, learning how to suck less at guitar.
hitting the road a lot, kind of like I was talking about earlier. Gonna do a big Midwest tour. And then, yeah, the biggest news is that we're doing uh, Huluween down at Swanee in Florida. Uh, it's a big festival down there. Um, so we're super stoked about that. That's gonna be our big, uh, big blowout this year is to go and play Huluween. Um, and then just keep preparing for next year, keep writing music. Um, we're gonna put out this music video for Return that I'm really excited about. Um, and yeah, we're basically just gonna be grinding all year, playing shows and writing music and um, and just super stoked to get all that out and share it with everybody. You can learn more about the Snozberries upcoming tour and releases online at thesnozberriesmusic.com. Thank you to my guest Ethan Heller of the Snozberries this week. And a special thanks to Pelmyra the band for the intro and outro music. Appalachian Vibes is listener nominated. You can nominate an artist at appalachianvibes.net. You can also catch up on past episodes there or on prx.org. Have a beautiful week. I'm Amanda Baki. I'll see y'all next time on Appalachian Vibes from WNCW.